What's up, y'all? This is Dr. Craig Waleed, your host here on the Prison to Promise podcast, where I explore strategies formerly incarcerated people use to avoid returning to prison. And on this episode, I'm joined by Tanane Jenkins. This sister is dope, y'all. She didn't allow a prison sentence to stop her shine. Today, she is a reentry expert, recidivism strategist, a keynote speaker, a career and life coach, and a public speaker. Tanane shares in this episode a bunch of jewels and insights that are relevant for anyone aiming to get their life on track after getting out of prison. I invite you to pull up and allow yourselves to become enlightened by Tanane's insights. Welcome to the Prison the Promise podcast, where um, I like to interview formerly incarcerated people about their um, post-incarceration success. So um, I'm just going to ask you if you could just jump right in and maybe uh, tell the people who you are and a little bit about your background, where you're from, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. My name is Tanane Jenkins. I am, uh, I'm from Jacksonville, Florida, born and raised, uh, left and went into the military and came back, but here still nonetheless, I, um, I own a couple things. I own the lock line, which is uh, an apparel company geared toward those who have locks because I've been growing mine for 14 years. Wow. And if um, y'all could see her, she has some long, beautiful locks. <laughs> I, um, I own Everything I Am, which is also an, another apparel line that is geared toward uh, helping those uh, people, our, our men and women returning home from prison to um, just become better and succeed in their second chance. It's a confidence boosting apparel line. So it lets people know that they are more than enough for everything they are. And I am Tanane Jenkins. I am a recidivism strategist and a motivational reentry speaker, which is uh, my passion to, to help those uh, succeed in their second chance. Nice. And thank you. And so once again, welcome to me. And so what made you want to become a uh, reentry strategist and a motivational speaker of sorts? Uh, well, I, it was never like, ooh, that's what I'm gonna do. It kind of, it came to me. It, it called me out. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2020, you know, everybody was on lockdown and TikTok, it was the eighth anniversary of the day I was released, April 22nd. As a matter of fact, is when it's gonna be this month. It'll be 10 years this month. So eight year anniversary of my release, I decided to do this video. And it was just a video of, um, it, I wasn't speaking, you know, back then you just point to the screen and words would pop up. And so it was one of those videos and it was just letting people know that, hey, eight years ago, I was released from prison and I'm okay and I'm doing my thing and you can too. That's the gist of this 15 second video. And 600,000 views later <laughs> and 
uh, I don't know, two, 3,000 comments later, I realized that it was a need for people to see someone that, you know, was in prison succeed and be okay. And the comments, you know, it was people on there saying, I really needed this. I just got out of prison last week. Or I, you know, I've been struggling. And this is, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, you are awesome. And all the comments, except for one, was positive. So I was, I was like, okay, maybe people need to hear that it's, it's going to be okay. And you, they are bigger than their mistakes and they are not their past. And so... That's where everything I am came from. Awesome. And so that just kind of catapulted you forward. Um, and, you know, you mentioned that one negative comment. I'm thinking we we have to have haters. Haters help us do better, you know? True. Um, yeah, sometimes they don't want to see us do well. But it's um, exciting to hear about your path and hear about what you're doing. And so you've been out for 10 years. How long were you on the inside? I was on the inside for two years however i was on probation for eight so i was under the thumb of the department of corrections for 10 years so it's like you really did a 10-year bid yeah yeah it's like i really did a 10-year bid yeah and so that could be really uh taxing so aside from like maybe uh as you mentioned that TikTok video that kind of propelled you forward into becoming a strategist, a reentry strategist and motivational speaker. What were some of the, the other maybe pe people, places or, or things in your life that made it easy for you to transition from being in prison to um, living this life of promise, so to say? Okay, when, when I got out in, in 2012, there was a program, there is still a program called Operation New Hope. And I went through Operation New Hope. They taught you resume writing skills and it, it's evolved so much since then. But I would go back, like I was, it was a four month or six, I'm not a four month, a four week or a six week program. I was in and out of there too. Oh, wow. <laughs> because I had had you know, before prison, I was a uh, business analyst making about $60,000 a year. Okay. So, so you had some education and training and all of that. Yeah. And when I went to prison, I was in college to get my computer networking and telecommunications degree as well. Oh, wow. So when I, I, I had all the resume stuff, you know, I, I'm not, I wasn't the norm so to speak, that mm -hmm. went through the program. Mm -hmm. Meaning? So two weeks after being in the program, they had already placed me in a job. Okay. And I would go back to Operation New Hope mm -hmm. and let those individuals know, hey, I came through this program too. Mm -hmm. They got me a job. Mm -hmm. I'm succeeding. Yeah. I'm thriving. Mm -hmm. And I, I used to love to do that. I just encourage them. Yeah. And I'm also a spoken word poet. So I'm used to being in front of people. Yeah. So that it was an easy thing for me to get up and speak about something I'm passionate about. Yeah. Because absolutely. of that. And in, let's see, when was that? Last, yeah. No, it was the beginning of this year. I reached out to an organization here in Florida called FRRC. Um, the president is Dr. Desmond Mead. 
And I reached out just to see how I could help, how I can serve, because you have to serve before you do anything. You have to be that person, you know, passing out flyers and making the phone calls. So I reached out to see how I could serve and got in contact with someone in the communications department. They asked me a little bit about my story. They said, hey, send me, I want to know more about your story. I said, okay. I sent an email, told them about my story. I got a phone call and they, uh, his name is Brandon. He, he pretty much said, we're, you're exactly who we're looking for. Uh, people need to know about success stories. People need to know about returning citizens that succeed and they need to see you know, you and hear your story. And I was like, okay. So he wanted to do an interview. That's fine. I'll do an interview. Did that interview. And then shortly thereafter, um, I did a, a Voices of Hope interview with Operation New Hope. And then I did an interview with Reform Alliance, which is a national organization. And Meat Mill is behind that. And then FRRC called me back and asked me to speak at a press conference for National Advocacy Day on the steps of uh, the Florida Capitol. And that was like my first time speaking in that arena. And it was the best feeling in the world to be in front of 300 returning citizens and you all have the same um, goal and the same mission. What did that feel like when you say the best feeling? It was surreal. It was like euphoric. Yeah. To have all these like-minded people going to uh, lobby and talk to these senators and talk to these Congress uh, men and women to try to um, make it better for those who are coming behind us. And that that's the goal, to make it better, right? Yeah, that's that. So don't have such a, yeah, so those coming behind us don't have such a hard time. Um, as we did when we were coming. Yeah, that's deep. And that that touches back on what you said earlier about, you know, you have to serve before you do anything. Mm -hmm. Best leader is, is, is those that are willing to serve the people that they lead and the people that they're working for. Yeah, so how Absolutely. can you and so on and so forth if you're not willing to serve them, you know? And I think, um, I think the Bible gives a good parable or a story about that you know, about how um, people were washing feet. I think Jesus yes. washed some feet and some women washed his feet, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So great analogy there. But going back to something else you talked about, because clearly you had like lots of supports, you know, and you knew how to find your supports and you knew how to navigate systems. But um, you talked about, you know, you weren't the norm um, of the person who was in prison. What was that norm? that you talked about and how did being the norm of someone that's in prison uh, make it more difficult for that person or, or easier for that person to maybe, I don't know, re-enter the, the community or find themselves stuck in a place where they keep going back to prison? So when I was at a work camp, I was in minimum custody. And at the work camp, I was the GED teacher. Mm -hmm. So I saw a lot of um, women who didn't necessarily have a, a GED. Uh, well, 
college, let alone a GED. Mm-hmm. And it's it's proven that those who have less um, education and that are more in poverty, like I, they they tend to go back to prison. I was <laughs> writing something today, quote by Maya Angelou, when uh, do the best you can until you know better, mm-hmm. then when you know better, do better. Yeah. And some people just don't know better. Mm-hmm. And then when you teach them, then they can do better. And it's all about education. It's all about letting people know um, better, better decision making and better paths. Mm-hmm. Because when when you grow up in a certain arena, you emulate what you see. Yes. Because you believe that's the way it's supposed to be. And that's why we, a lot of us have some some trauma from yeah. our childhoods mm-hmm. and some trauma from just life mm-hmm. because our parents did the best they could because they were learning with us. Right. They had never been a parent before and we had never been a child before. Sure so not. all they did was what their parents taught them, which is what they learned from their parents. So when you when you start breaking uh, cycles, then that's when that shift happens. And that's when that change happens. So when people like to, this generation today, they are not playing around. No, that's sharp. They are doing their own thing the way they want to do their thing. And the things that their parents tell them, they are like, you know what? I don't think you know what you're talking about. Well, at least they're questioning them. They are questioning. Yeah. And we didn't question. I have a 15 year old son and he questions everything. And I love it. Yeah, we didn't question because we were told to do 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 as I say, not as I do. And kids, are to, and kids are to be seen, not heard. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So just shut up and follow the orders. All of that. And you, this generation, they were like, Mm-mm, nope, because yeah. I see I'm, I don't, I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck like you do. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to struggle mm-hmm. like I'm not going to be on the struggle bus like you. Right. And, you know, that's part of the thing that we're supposed to do as parents and as elders is help the next generation do better than us and not what we've done. Exactly. And that's um, what the prison system is. It's if people do not know better, then how can they do better? So that's where education comes in. That's where teaching. That's where showing. That's where taking them to where they need to go. That's where all of that comes in. And that that makes for good uh, reentry programs and redu- reduction of recidivism. Bam! That's what I'm gonna say. Bam! Like a nail getting hit <laughs> by a hammer. You just hit the nail on the head, you know. And then as you're talking about education, I'm also thinking about the etymology of that word. You know, educate, which comes from educere, which means to bring forward. Mm-hmm. You know, like when we're helping people become educated, we're actually helping them to bring forward their own natural gifts, proclivities, and skills that they can apply towards making their lives and the lives of people around them much better. Exactly. Yeah, and so that's dope, getting, helping people become educated. And so you were already on that road towards education or you already had some level of education um, going into prison. Um, Your story 
makes me think of mine in that regards because I had completed high school when I went to prison. I was 19 when I went in. And yeah. like you, I became the GED teacher, you know, while I was in prison, you know, the, or the teacher's aide, but ultimately the teacher because the teachers don't really care. And then I earned yeah. an associate's degree in prison, got out of prison and just continued to pursue it, higher education. So I'm so not sure enough with you. And then, you know, you quoted this um, or you pointed to, you know, the research that shows that um, the higher education levels um, people have, the less they are to recidivate. Absolutely. I was talking to a group of women who are in prison and I was asking them, how many people in prison have GEDs? And they're like, hardly none. I was like, well, you know, of the people who have GEDs or or, or no, I said, then um, how many people in prison have high school diplomas? They were like still few. And then I went on to associate's degree, master's degree, doctorate degree. And as I got up in degrees, they were like, none of those people are here. Yeah. So, so I showed them, yeah. So the more your education climbs, the less of a chance you have of ending up in prison. It's one of those protective factors, you know? So just, just uh, great that you shine light on that. And so I'm just, you know, confirming that. Um, right along with you. So can you talk a little bit about like how you envisioned yourself post-release once you were getting out of prison? How did you um, envision your life? Did you have a plan for when you got out or did you just get out willy-nilly? And what's the difference between having a plan and not having a plan getting out of prison? And that is the thing. I did not have a plan getting out of prison. I, I didn't. Um, when I got out of prison, I just knew that I had these five years of probation that turned into eight. <laughs> I knew I had these, these, this money to pay back. And I knew I needed to get a job in order to pay back this money so I can get off probation. Mm -hmm. So my plan was to get a job and get off probation, essentially. Mm -hmm. But other than that, further than that, I had nothing else. And that's what I learned going like forward so when you <laughs> you when you don't have a plan you plan to fail mm. and truthfully I did fail mm. I uh violated probation mm. because I did not have a plan to necessarily pay the money back I just knew I needed to mm -hmm. and once I <laughs> went I paid off my probation in 2020, October, 2020. I was a free woman. I got my free papers. Yeah. And I did not realize how much that weighed on me. I didn't realize how much not being able to leave the county freely, like it was a weight on my shoulders that I didn't know was there. Mm. And so when I paid off probation, I felt lighter. And after I paid off my probation, I made a plan and that was just two years ago. If I would have made a plan <laughs> prior to even getting out of prison, I'd be so much further along, but I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely. Everything happens as it may, everything happens for a reason. Mm -hmm. But, and I go back to re-entry. If re-entry is offered three months prior to release, and you put all of these steps into play. You, you I, I just finished my book, Shameless Plug, From Prison to President. Yeah. Um, How they could find your book. I just finished it. 
So it will be available on Amazon April 25th, which is my birthday. Right. But um, so April 25th, it'll be available on Amazon for purchase. And tell so, the, the title of it once more. From Prison to President, Five Ways to Succeed in Your Second Chance. Dope. So in, in my book, it talks about uh, teaching people how to feel. That mm. is forgive themselves. Mm embrace their past mm -hmm. elevate their thinking mm -hmm. and look beyond today mm -hmm. it took me eight years to embrace my past mm -hmm. it took me eight years to be able to tell my story mm -hmm. without being ashamed of it yeah forgiving yourself is the hardest thing somebody will ever have to do mm. it's so much easier to forgive someone else but forgiving your literally like actually forgiving yourself and not dwelling on your past mistakes is hard mm. And then to elevate your thinking, like stop thinking bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Think beyond that. Yeah. Go higher. Yeah. You are so much more than you give your credit for, mm -hmm. yourself credit for. Yeah. And, and then look beyond. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Sorry. And then how do how do people get higher in the elevation? How do they elevate their thinking? By um, changing the narrative, by rewriting their story, mm -hmm. like negativity bias. You know what negativity bias is? Talk about it. Negativity bias is a natural thing that humans do. We will remember the negative before we remember the positive. We focus on the negative more so than positive. Uh, for, for example, if you go to a nice hotel, high end, yeah. um, and you go and it's beautiful, everything is awesome, and you walk into the bathroom, you see a spider and you flip out, the first thing you're going to remember about that stay is that spider. Yeah. You're not going to remember how the furniture was, how the decor was. The first thing, it was a spider in the bathroom when I went in there. And mm -hmm. that was the first thing you'll tell people. Mm -hmm. How was your stay? Girl, they had a spider in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, bias. yeah, it's the negativity bias. And the first thing we think about are all things negative. Mm -hmm. So when you combat that negativity with positivity, mm -hmm. like I'm a ha glass half girl, I'm glass half full girl, mm -hmm. or a glass full, because mm -hmm. honestly, the glass might be half full of water, and then the rest is filled with air. So yeah. it's a full glass of yeah. something. Changing that narrative, changing that changing the narrative, and it changes the way you think. And when you start, and I'm not talking about look at the world in rose colored glasses. I'm just saying. Go for the positive before you go for the negative. And that you can elevate you. Things will start to shift and your thinking will be elevated just by focusing on the positive. That's powerful. Yeah. That's powerful. Yeah. And there was one other point. I think I had cut you off. And so I apologize. There was one last point you were making about your book. Looking beyond your current situation or your circumstance. Mm -hmm. You can't sit in... I tell people all the time, I'm not a pig. I don't wallow in mess. Mm. We got to get up. Yes, yes. We got to get up. Yeah. So stop getting stuck. And, and all you can see is what is wrong right here in this moment. Mm -hmm. Process it and move on. So look beyond the issue. Look beyond the problem and find a solution and keep going. Mm. Two things come to mind when I hear you say that. And one is the installation of hope. And then the other piece is this uh, 
chess philosophy that I, I tend to adopt, which is, you know, not standing on your square alone. Mm -hmm. Even though you have to maintain your square, it's important to look beyond your square to the next two or three squares, the next two or three moves down the line. Because if you stay stuck just focusing on your square, you'll definitely get checkmated and the game will be over. You know, I absolutely agree. Yeah, that's dope. You have some serious insights, sister. You know, <laughs> appreciate you. You know, one of the things I um, also want to ask you, um, is what would be some of your su suggestions for people maybe overcoming obstacles? Well, maybe you just talked about it and I'm just asking you to repeat yourself, but maybe instead of asking, what are some suggestions for people to overcome their obstacles? Can you talk about maybe what were um, maybe one of your, or what was or were some of your biggest obstacles when you first got out and how you overcame those? My biggest, and I'm sure this is um, one of the, the greatest obstacles for those getting out is employment. Mm. And you, and people say it all the time, you're going to hear no's. But the way I, I started, people are like, I don't know where to start. Just start. Mm. You have to start. Hit the so, ground. Right. And it doesn't matter. You know, a lot of people have, I don't want to work this place or I don't want to work that place. But do you want to work? Hmm. like like I said prior to prison I was making 60 I came home and made six dollars an hour but I started right and once you start and you show people your worth then they'll recognize it hmm. and that's what I did but I I got no's for jobs that I knew I was qualified for did it bother me absolutely did but it was my bed and I had to lay in it and I just had to keep going. And when I decided to uh, become a full-time entrepreneur because I haven't clocked in in two years and <laughs> it, was, it was actually a little bit by force. In June of 2019, I lost everything. I lost my job, I totaled my car, I lost my relationship and I almost died. So I had to reinvent myself, literally reinvent myself. But you held and it in your mind so you didn't lose that. I did, right. Yeah, that so, helped you reinvent. So to have to really rewrite the narrative and rewrite my story and do a whole life reset, it was, it was hard. Yeah. And a year later, I broke down about the fact that I lost everything the year before. Mm. So I didn't feel all my feelings. And that's another thing I talk about. You have to feel all your feelings mm. in that moment. Don't suppress them because they're going to come back up. Yeah. And they might come back up tomorrow or a year later or three years later, but they are going to come back up if you do not deal with the situation at that moment. Right. And we've been that's, it's a grief process we've been conditioned to do that as humans to ignore we have been yeah to, and then you you got to be strong no you don't <laughs> you don't have to be strong yeah feel your feelings mm -hmm. be weak when the time comes exactly yeah. be weak condition. if you need to yeah yeah i think that helps us to become more strong exactly yeah. so i had to overcome that uh mindset 
of, well, I have to do this and I have to be strong and I have to, I have to, I have to know. Feel your feelings, mm. process it the way you need to process it. Don't let anybody else tell you how you, how you should process something mm-hmm. and then move on. Mm-hmm. But do it your way. Right. You can't right. do it anybody else's way. Right. And, and another said, thing. I'm sorry, go ahead. Another thing, you can't try to be successful for someone else. You have to be successful for yourself. On your own terms. On your own terms. Yeah. Because it looked different for everybody, right? It looks different. Yeah. For every, you can't, me- nobody else can measure your success. Absolutely. You have to figure out what your success looks like. Mm-hmm. And again, I think a lot of times we've been conditioned to call it success a particular way. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, you know, includes having loads of money and loads of mm-hmm. But I've learned from my own self uh, on my journey that success is about succeeding at what I find is important. So if that's, you know, to have a family, a healthy family or a healthy career or to write my books or whatever that is, that's what that's what success is for me. You know, so, yeah, that's powerful. And going back to what you just said in this this little clip right here, you also talked about, you know, when you were in this period of loss, you had to realize your emotional um, self in that moment and realize that this is a grieving process and I Mm -hmm. must allow myself to grieve. Yes. You know, I think grief, again, is one of those natural human conditions and when we deny ourselves of ourselves or deny ourselves of natural occurrences that occur i think we ultimately end up hurting ourselves and po- quite possibly people around us you know? that is very true six um is it a, a a quote hurt people hurt people yeah 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 and, and a- when someone is hurting like if i'm hurting i'm going to automatically be defensive yeah and if you say something i don't like Mm -hmm. or that rubs me the wrong way even if it's unintended Mm -hmm. i am going to lash out yeah if i'm not paying attention to myself Mm -hmm. yeah and that's where this thing called emotional intelligence comes in yes which is being aware of my mood and my thinking about that mood and how these moods impact how I behave and respond to other people. Absolutely. It also includes, you know, being able to recognize other people's moods and being able to not um, encroach upon them to maybe exacerbate or make worse how they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's powerful, powerful indeed. Um, I lost track about what I was gonna ask you next. I'm getting old here. <laughs> you know, you're saying such you know powerful things that I'm, I'm just blown away and I'm really excited about the people who will hear this interview and um, the growth that they will experience from listening to your experience you know so um I think one of the last few things I'd like to ask you is um well first I'll start with this which is um What is a piece of wisdom or insight or maybe advice um, that you would give to someone concerned with staying out of prison or 
to the family members of someone who's getting out of prison? Be the, okay, let me, let me give what I would say to the person getting out of prison first. Find your tribe. Hmm. Find those, because iron sharpens iron. So find someone that is, are a group of people that is where you want to go. Are they are where you want to go to? Mm-hmm. Find someone who is uh, willing to call you out on your mess, hold mm-hmm. you accountable, mm-hmm. pull your coattail. Mm-hmm. If they see you going back down a certain road or see you you you're not doing what you need to do, you need those people in in your corner. Don't surround yourself with yes men. Don't surround yourself with people that's just going to hype you up because mm-hmm. surround yourself with people that is, they're going to say, Hey, Hey, no, you, you know, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. You have to surround yourself with those type of people in order to um, be successful in your second chance. Yes. You have to change your surroundings you and, and change that mindset. Mm-hmm. And if you have a mindset of lack, then you need to figure out what is enough for you. Mm-hmm. Because for the longest time, I always, I was, I was reaching and searching and, and going after enough, but I didn't even know what enough looked like. Mm-hmm. Like I had no idea what enough was. I, I don't have enough yet. I don't have enough. Well, what does enough look like to you? So figure out your why and what enough looks like to you and surround yourself with people that it helps you get to your enough and won't be your yes man Mm, mm. and to the family of those individuals that are returning back into society do not beat them down with the mistakes that they have made Mm. because they have beat themselves down enough and the system has to and the system has to they don't need you to do it to them yeah yes they've made mistakes yes they uh, uh, paid for their mistakes. Let them find a safe space with you. Mm-hmm. Let them be able to know that if they are struggling, they can come talk to you. Because the, the last thing we need is to come to you and tell you what you're, we're struggling with, and then you beat us up with it. <laughs> Or you tell us what you know you need. No, just listen and then say, you know what? I may not understand everything that you are going through, Mm -hmm. but I'm here for you. Because sometimes that's all we need is people to be there for us in our corner that we can count on and that we can feel safe with. So be their safe space. It's part of that Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You know, I think it's the second rung, safety. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Safety is a big thing. Absolutely, that psycho-emotional, yes, um, more so than physical, or just as important as physical. Absolutely. Yeah. So, yo, this is dope, sister. Dope. I mean, I'm I'm really moved by um, listening to you, and I think I've learned some good things, as well as um, many of the things that I've been um, carrying on in my own life and talking to other people have been uh, reconfirmed by just talking to you. And so that says to me that there is a, a almost a universal path for those of us who've been to prison to follow. You know, mm-hmm. there's 
variables on this path, but ultimately what I'm hearing is the importance of support um, and the importance of knowledge of self, you know, and when I talk about knowledge of self, I'm not talking about quoting lessons or knowing degrees, but really mm -hmm. understanding who I am, what makes me tick and what makes me talk. And I, I like to think that those who are making the laws really should talk to returning citizens because we know what works. Yeah. Those successful stories, that those success stories, yeah. we know what works because we know what kept us out of prison. Right, right. So that's, that's a yeah. big thing for lawmakers. Yeah. Like, talk to the experts, us. Right, right. And, you know, the unfortunate pieces, it seems like, you know, the, the policymakers um, consistently work to devalue the experience of those of us and the expertise and also, and, and quite frankly, the humanity of those of us who've been incarcerated, mm -hmm. you know, and it's like they overlook us. And again, I think in part because of maybe that norm that you talked about, you know, the vast majority of people who find themselves incarcerated are undereducated, miseducated, have no education, and are coming from situations where they're socially and economically disadvantaged. So absolutely, they don't have the the attention or the resources to focus on these things that can bring about success. But I think that does not mean that they don't have what it takes to figure that out. You know, I think if they could have that stability, like you and I may have had coming out of prison, it would make it that much more easier for them to, you know, become that expert as well. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So that's dope. So um, in closing to me, um, how can people contact you if they want to ask you to come speak at their event or if they want to get copies of your book, et cetera, et cetera? They can visit Tanane Jenkins. That is T-A-N-A-I-N-E Jenkins, J-E-N-K-I-N-S <laughs> dot com. Um, and all my contact information is on there. I have um, helpful videos and I have a couple workbooks on there as well that are actually free just to give people insight on the things that returning citizens need as well as re-entry programs. Awesome. Awesome. Yo, I've said this a couple of times. I think, I think I'm going to have to say it again. This was just dope. You know, this was very enlightening. Um, I'm very grateful for your time, um, your graciousness, um, and your patience with us working through our technical difficulties and scheduling um, matters, but we made it happen. Yes, I so appreciate you having me. Yeah, it's been it's, it. it's been a great conversation. Yeah, yeah, and let's stay in touch now that we have each other's numbers. You know, mm -hmm. connected on this this bond here. I think this reentry bond. Um, let's use each other as a resource. Reach out to me. Um, and I'll definitely be considering you um, as I move forward in my work. Same here. Yo, you have a great day and stay blessed. You too, Greg. Thank you. Thank you so much, sister. Be well. All right. Bye. Peace. If you or someone you know would like to share their story on this podcast or you'd like to leave a comment please drop me a line at lowercase d 
R C R A I G W A L E E D at gmail.com. That's Dr. Craig Walid at gmail.com. Peace.